This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hello and welcome to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist out of Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I'm so glad you've joined me today. Self work is all about trying to reach people about the power of therapy or just hearing what a therapist might have to say. I've always wanted to reach out to those of you who already are very comfortable in the emotional or psychological world, to those of you who have just initially been diagnosed with depression or anxiety and want some answers, but also to a third group, those of you who think you would never darken the door of a therapist but are just interested enough to listen in. So welcome to all of you. Today we're going to talk about several aspects of anxiety and how current fears may be shifting you and the ones you love into a more anxious place. I myself, who at times can convince myself that I'm not overly anxious, suddenly realized that I may not overtly be showing it. But last week I had a cold sore, and last night I had a strange frightening dream. So yeah, I'm anxious along with everyone else. So I really hadn't, in the last three years since doing this podcast, I hadn't experienced what I did this past week. It seemed that a podcast topic was completely elusive to me. There was too much else on my mind. So after a huge struggle to know what to talk about, I wondered if many of you were having a similar struggle. How to focus on the tasks or experiences of the day and not allow anxiety to overwhelm you. The listener email this week is a tough one for me. But I decided to share it with you. I'd never want anyone to feel the way this listener did. And of course, I can't control that. But her response seemed very genuine. So I'll read most of her email. It's pretty long, so I can't read all of it. And you can let me know if you had a similar reaction. As the slogan goes, we're in this together. And I'd sure like it to stay that way. So we'll go over her email and my response. But for now, let's talk about today's anxieties and fears and at least one major way to cope. I just came back from a walk outside where families were outside gardening, my neighbors, making the most out of a beautiful sunny day. They, like me and my husband, are largely staying at home due to COVID-19. Although Arkansas isn't quarantined as of yet, I've been working from home for two weeks, and getting outside just felt incredible. But I also went for a walk because I'd been trying to write this podcast script for three hours, and what was showing up on the page just didn't work. It seemed trite, juxtaposed with the news of the day. A potentially deadly virus, a huge tornado ripping through another town in Arkansas where I have loved ones. Only a few people were seriously hurt there, probably ironically, because that city was on lockdown. So the usually busy mall and a street full of fast food places that normally would have been packed on a Saturday afternoon were mostly empty. The sirens went off and people were already at home and sheltered, but now for two reasons. How they're going to build things back again with all that's going on is hard to imagine. So how am I trying to handle this anxiety? My friends and I are texting. We had a family meeting on Zoom tonight. Everyone is asking one another, how are you doing? One of my nephews is an ER doctor in South Carolina and on the front lines. I have family members and friends who have lung issues. 
I'm in a Facebook group that someone started in my area where people are asking for help and those that can help do help. Whether it's with food or money or help with just a chore, people are helping people even six feet away. My patients are sharing with me their own concerns and we're working on coping and management skills. Those who already had anxiety are having a lot of trouble. Stress like this will cause each of us to get out old coping mechanisms, some of which aren't constructive just to get by. I was reading a Facebook post from a friend who's been anorexic all her life, and now she says she's struggling to eat it all. People with OCD are likely to start counting or cleaning more. Those with depression may find that it's even more difficult to care about anything and may isolate even more. Financial worries abound and ambiguity, not knowing, reigns. So with all of this on my mind, I hit the road, abandoning my three hours of typing and retyping and then retyping. I still didn't have an idea for a topic when I walked back in, feeling good at least that I'd sweated some of my anxiety out, until suddenly I realized that I was likely not the only one who was struggling with perspective. How could I focus on work or the podcast or fixing dinner or exercising when there's a pandemic going on that may hurt people I love? How could I get control of my anxiety? And then I thought, maybe that was a topic. Let me quickly say, I struggle with this just like you do. Yesterday, in fact, I was in a damned if I do and damned if I don't kind of mood. I couldn't seem to get on even a slightly productive or positive route. I binge watch Netflix, knowing that today would be more packed because of my lack of action. But I couldn't find what I needed. I couldn't find my focus and not allow the news of the virus and all that goes with it to dominate my mind and heart. I just couldn't calm down. And maybe you're struggling as well. If you've been listening to self-work for a while, you know that I talk a lot about focusing on what you have control over. But many people don't believe that they can control what they're thinking or what they notice. You can take steps to learn, but it's not easy. You want to do something to protect yourself and those you love. So we're being reminded to wash our hands a lot, to wipe surfaces down, to help our children through their coursework, to be thoughtful of neighbors, to self-quarantine if we're sick, to keep on doing the things that have to get done. But how do you not allow the pandemic to crowd out the positive things that you're experiencing? Or are you even noticing the positives? Maybe your anxiety is so high that you discount the box of Girl Scout cookies that a neighbor's young toddler left on your doorstep with a cheerful note from the mom. Maybe you're so focused on the news that you didn't notice a gorgeous sunrise this morning that filled the sky with bright pinks and blues and yellows. Maybe you feel so overwhelmed by all the changes and transitions you and your family have had to make that you're not hearing your child's happy squeals as you play another round, one more round of kickball. Maybe you've lost your job, at least for now, and you're allowing the understandable uncertainty to sabotage any chance of laughter. Again, all of this is understandable. But as I discovered last weekend when I was watching one more episode of The Crown and not getting anything done, allowing your mind to run free reign over the questions of what could happen, what might happen, can be paralyzing. Nothing is enjoyed. Nothing is relieving. Anxiety can crowd into every space in your mind and force out any sense of being in this moment and not the next. Perhaps one of the gifts of all of this is that we as a culture might become more understanding of people who live with fear and anxiety all the time, because this is the world they live in. 
I've worked with people who have generalized anxiety disorder, and they have daily visions, not hallucinations. That's something different. These are things they sort of see in their fantasy, not that they're actually seeing them. But they have daily visions of plane crashes or tornadoes or of sudden death, and they constantly stay hypervigilant. Almost everything induces fear. Change induces fear. Travel induces fear. Then there's a group of people with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, who experience something very much out of what could be termed ordinary life. We think of soldiers dealing with the ugliness and inhumanity of war, but they're also victims of rape or sexual abuse. There are people who barely survived a fire and were horribly burned. There are people who fall into literal pits and are imprisoned there for hours or days until help arrives. People with agoraphobia who become frantically anxious about leaving home. To these folks, focus on something else seems not only improbable, but impossible. The fear you are trying to cope with now is the fear that their minds lead them to day after day after day. Maybe you can begin to see and understand why they get hurt when even their loved ones say, well, you should just focus on something else. Now, the good news is that focusing on something else can be done. But just like everything worthwhile, it takes practice and patience. And now, as the entire world is trying to cope with the anxiety of COVID-19, people are looking for answers of what to do to contain their anxiety. And actually, it might seem that the direction they're taking is contradictory. When Deepak Chopra, an internationally known leader in meditation and holistic health, asked people to join him in a worldwide meditation, I think it was yesterday, more than a million people showed up. But the quantity of viewers crashed the link. Now, why would anyone whose mind is in the throes of anxiety think it was helpful to lean into their own mind, to check in with it? Wouldn't you want to run as far away from your mind as possible? But that's exactly what the meditation experts are saying. At these kinds of times, at any time, you need to lean into your mind to begin to practice focusing and being more aware of what your mind wants to do and to begin to slow it down. I have a rudimentary understanding of this, but when I practice meditation, it does really help my overly busy mind to slow down. And what I remember during the day are the things that I practiced that morning or sometime that week, but I remember them. I needed to remember that this weekend, that instead of engulfing myself in the crown, I could have taken five minutes just to become quiet and breathe. So let's talk about meditation a little more in detail. In the show notes, you're going to find a link to an article in HuffPost, and I brought forward, or at least I'm going to try to bring forward, the graphic that was accompanying the post. It was a research article on the positive effects of meditation. You can see that mindfulness and meditation practice, especially over time, can have widespread results, from everything to reduce blood pressure, to reducing inflammation, to decreasing depression, to actually building one's own immunity. Those are the results of slowing down. Spending just a few minutes in a meditative state can help in so many ways. So what's involved? Simple things, really. You sit comfortably in a calm place. Now, you may have to get up a little early, but it's really just for a few moments. So it's very doable. Then you focus on your breathing or a mantra. Then you focus your mind on that breath or that mantra in fact, people of faith might use this as a mindful prayer exercise, and that fits the bill as well. 
And the wonderful news is that there are a lot of really good and inexpensive apps, or some are for free, to help guide you. Again, you'll find a link in your show notes for the best meditation apps. I used Headspace. It guided me into focus. And it's interesting because you can choose the varying amount of time you want to spend. I chose 10 minutes. And at first, it's a little weird. But I got to where I greatly look forward to it every day. Now, in your show notes again, sorry, lots of links. There is a link from Very Well Mind to the eight best 2020 apps. To name a few, there's also 10% Happier, Calm, and even one for kids. Remember, meditation isn't a part of a particular faith. It's a mind practice. It's a mental practice. It was really in 2018 and the beginning part of 2019 that I did this almost every day, and I found it to be so helpful. And why in the world I ever quit, I'm not sure. I just let it slip, but I'm going to be heading back. So I'm making myself a promise, and maybe you can as well. I'm going back to meditating every day, even just for five or ten minutes, because it's one more thing I can do. Part of the meditation that I was taught at Headspace reminded you that you are also thinking of the well-being of all who might be directly affected by your meditations, or you being more in the moment. The world at large would also benefit. So not only do you want the practice to help you, but others that mean a lot to you. Again, Deepak Chopra now has set up a free 21-day trial along with Oprah Winfrey to help you get started. I heard about it just a couple of hours ago and thought I'd turn you on to it. Now, I'm not getting paid to suggest it. I'm just a believer. The link will be in your show notes as well, and it's from the ChopraCenterMeditation.com, so you can see it there. So very good luck to you, and be mindful of your anxiety, lean into it, and then grow in the ability to calm yourself with meditation. The listener email for this week is a hard one for me for several reasons, but I received this email last week. She describes me and self-work in a way that I'm not particularly comfortable with, but I, of course, wondered if any of you felt the same as she did, and if so, I needed and wanted to address it. It's quite long, so I'll summarize the first part of it for you. She talks about how she's been listening to me for almost two years and how self-work has been very helpful to her and how she enjoys my transparency and some other things. But she'd heard the episode, which I don't remember if it was last time or time before last, when I had to state because I was concerned that I wasn't getting to emails quickly enough that I chose to say that... I was going to have to limit the number of emails that I actually responded to because of time, mostly, and the fact that I'm really hearing from so many more of you. So I would try to pick questions or comments that were very similar to someone else's. So I might not respond to your email, but I would respond to those that seemed grouped together. But then she said something else, and now I'm quoting. I don't know how you'll take this, as I've heard you read emails and such from listeners who are trying to be your critics. I know you're your own critic, and your publicists and marketers are trying to lead you to success. I understand your goal, or at least I think I do. Or maybe I see something you don't. Who really knows? I don't know you really. I don't know if your objective is the same or changed slightly due to your overwhelming success. 
Either way, I just want to say something. You can read this on your podcast if you choose. I trust you still. All I have to say is heavily laden upon my soul to let you know I am sad. In the midst of this pandemic and uncertainty, I am out of work like so many others. Today I listened to your latest podcast release. My heart sank as I walked back with my dog. I felt empty for the first time. The tone you had was that of a star, a newly charged up person, unreachable, and my heart and mind became limp and sad. I am sad because there is something lost in your voice. Today, your podcast was not really you. I know this because I've been your fan for nearly two years now. You say you can't reply and only six per month, directing your audience to send in their emails and speak pipes early in the month. You are too busy. Let me ask you, has your business become so large that you now have other people sifting through your pipe things and emails, voicemails, picking only the ones that will give you great ratings? Is this what this podcast has become? Where are you, Margaret? I don't know you, but I do. And then I skip a little bit. Again, please don't be offended. This is not the tone I'm trying to create. What I'm trying to do is gently stir up those feelings that made you start this thing in the first place. And then she tells me that she's unclear whether she wants to listen to any more podcasts. And then she wishes me the best. So I thought about this and... It was difficult feedback to hear. For one thing, there are many, many more podcasts that are much more successful than my own. But I am pleased with the fact that there are more people listening to self-work, and I do get to hear from people who it's helping. And that is why I've started. But I did realize that there may have been something in my voice that day. It was a long podcast, as I recall, and I was trying to speed it up a little bit maybe talking a little faster than I normally do with my southern twang. But this was my answer to her. I appreciate you taking the time to email me when your life is what sounds like more than complicated. So many have lost jobs, and I'm sorry you're one of them. I'm honored to hear that self-work helped you in any way. That's why I began all this, to try and reach people who might not have the funds or the opportunity to know much about what therapy has to offer and or ideas that might be helpful. It's not therapy, of course, but my goal has always been to open a discussion and be available. What you may have heard in my voice was regret. Regret that I can't keep up with all the things I want to. Regret that my age is beginning to require me to spend a bit more time making sure I do the things that I need to do for my health and the health of my relationships. However, I can look at myself clearly and know that I'm not motivated by some of the things you mentioned. And I don't have anyone working with me except my engineer on the podcast. So whatever responses there are, are mine and will always be mine. I hope this is reassuring to you and to others as I plan to read your email. As far as success goes, I've lived long enough to have a very different definition of success than so much of our culture. When I was younger, it was different. But my experiences in life, including coming onto social media eight years ago and writing a book, has really changed all that. And I'm glad it has. I'll hope you remain a listener. But if not, I wish you more than well. You've made so many positive changes. Take very good care. So I obviously don't know if the rest of you heard that and were alarmed that something significant was changing. The only thing significant that was changing and what I was trying to explain was the fact that I'm having to spend a little more time on self-care. I turned 65 this year, and 
I'm finding out that I need a little more attention and I can't sit in a chair for hours on end. I have to get up and move. But I certainly didn't want to give the impression that anything was changing drastically here at Self Work. And certainly, although I'm delighted that more and more people have tuned in, I'm still extremely grateful and appreciative for those of you that are here. Feel free to write me at AskDrMargaret at DrMargaretRutherford.com if indeed you also have concerns that I can possibly answer. So I hope that that's helpful. Thank you again for being here. This is the 174th episode of Self Work, and I enjoy it just as much now as I did at the very beginning. There are lots of ways to reach out if you want to. You can go to my website at drmargaretrutherford.com and subscribe there. That's a really easy way of keeping up with the podcast and the blog post I do every week. Again, you can email me at askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com. I have a Facebook group, and you can join that Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash selfwork. We're almost 2,000 strong, a very diverse and supportive group. I'm really enjoying it. I do have a book out. It was published in 2019. It's entitled Perfectly Hidden Depression, How to Break Free from the Perfectionism that Masks Your Depression. It's on the kind of perfectionism that can mask pain that has been long suppressed and is actually causing an overlooked form of depression. I'm passionate about the topic. If any of you would like me to speak to your workplace or a club you have or something that might be helpful to them, then just contact me again at my email and perhaps we can work something out. All of that would be free, of course. So please take care in this very anxious of times, and I will as well. And as I said in the episode, and as many are saying, we are truly all in this together. Thank you so much. Again, take care. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work.